0: The Links and Locks Podcast. Better than most. Better than most. Better than most. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken yeah. dinner. Yeah. Four.
1: You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Links and Locks Podcast. I'm Jason Sobel. Justin Ray is away this week. Instead, joining me, my friend Amanda Rose from Golf Bet and the Action Network. Amanda, we've got some stuff to talk about. The Dunhill Lynx Championship this past week and the Sanderson Farms won by Danny Willett and Sam Burns, respectively. And then we're going to get into everything going on in Las Vegas. By the way, a two-week Sin City swing on the PGA Tour. Do you think you'd handle two weeks in Vegas?
0: Well, last week I handled the second half of it and it was pretty wild. So I I don't know. I think I would handle it. I think it'd be a lot of fun. I wish I were going out again this year. CJ Cup was fun last year.
1: Yeah. I had this discussion on the radio the other day that, you know, one of my fellow co-hosts said, you know, I, I'd love to cover the Dunhill links. It's, you know, three of the greatest courses. They got the old course at St. Andrews and Carnoustie and Kings Barnes, And it would be great. first of all, you wouldn't want to cover that having covered like the AT&T Pebble beach pro am before, like there's, there's no fun in covering events at three different courses where you're like, <laughs> all right, let me get in the car and drive 20 minutes to get to the next one. And uh, it doesn't work very well. It would be really fun to play in. Yeah. Um, but I, I thought he was going with like, you know, Hey, no, it'd be really fun to cover. I'm like Vegas. I'm in, let's go <laughs> two weeks. I'll do it. You know, I, I, I can only imagine some of the players and um, we'll get into some of this, but uh, we always talk about there being an edge for uh, the proverbial sleeping in your own bed that week event for certain players. I, I think there's more of an edge in Vegas where, especially early in the season, players are like, you know what, I'll ease my way into the year. And look, mm-hmm. uh, golfers are human too, and they might go to Vegas and decide, hey, you know what, it's part business, part vacation, you know, yeah. I'll kind of hang out and have some fun this week. And so, I, uh, you know, I, I think the, those who live there, those who have lived there those who went to college there might have a little bit of an advantage this week uh, mm-hmm. based on the fact that you know the bright lights of the big city in the strip aren't going to overwhelm them too much all right let's get into what we saw this past weekend Sam Burns who's the pre-tournament favorite or at least co-favorite depending on the book he's right around 14 to 1 going into the Sanderson Farms championship he comes away with the victory <laughs> excellent we shouldn't be surprised I, I am completely in favor of a guy like Burns who was I believe 25th or 26th in the world ranking uh, going into this past week not only playing in these types of events but going out there and playing his best and winning I, I've said for a long time Amanda that this is sort of what hurt Ricky Fowler and, mm. and others like him and I don't mean to be smirch Ricky Fowler on this it, it was yeah. almost like it it kind of worked against him the fact that he was so good when he first came up that almost instantly he became top 50 in the world. And what mm-hmm. happens when you're top 50 in the world, you're in all the majors and you're in the WGCs and you get to basically pick and choose your schedule. Well, all of a sudden your schedule is I'm playing the best players in the world on any given week that I'm out there playing. And so I think it's really good for these young players who are up and comers, who are learning how to win to go play in some events where hey, you look around on the range on a Tuesday afternoon, you're like, I, I think I'm better than everybody else here. I might not say it. I, I might not you know audibly tell people publicly, but I, I kind of think I'm the best player here. And I kind of think I not only can, but probably should win this golf tournament. Now, I'm sure that uh, he wouldn't admit it, but I'm sure that Sam Burns probably looked around last week and said, I'm the best player here. And look, it I think it means a lot for him to move forward with another victory and, uh, and, and gain that confidence uh, in his career going forward.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look at how well he has played this past season. He was a bit inconsistent kind of when he first came out, you know, he came out with Cameron Champ and um, Joaquin Neiman and he's such a talented player I mean the fact that he's won twice um, in this calendar year is it's just crazy I think it just says a lot about how talented he is and he's, he's been able to just play his own game and the fact that he was you know favorite going into this event and he ended up winning it's just it's just crazy you know because I how, how often is Sam Burns a favorite in an event?
1: And and I liken it to Colin Morikawa two years ago at the Barracuda Mm. championship where Colin was the favorite that week in in Reno. And uh, we all know, knew he was going to be a good player at that Mm. point, but he goes out there and beats a a field of players that quite frankly, he should beat or he at least can beat. And and so I'm not going to sit here and say that Colin Morikawa wouldn't have two major championship victories at this point without having first won the Barracuda, but he needed to win something. You can't just kind of, skip a few steps and go straight to major champion. You've got to kind of work your way up from, uh, from the lower level of winning and, mm. and learn how to win on this level. So, again, I, I think it's really good for Sam Burns. Sky's the limit. He's the uh, so-called five-tool player, does everything really, really well, drives it well, irons are good, putts it well, especially on Bermuda greens. Uh, I can see him uh, maybe taking a little run at, uh, at Augusta. In April, not saying he's going to win it, but I like him for maybe a top 10 at Augusta. If I'm making a very, very early projection projection right now for Sam Burns. Uh, Anybody else this past weekend who struck you as a guy that you look at and say, you know what? Because there were a lot of young players that were up there Mm -hmm. on that leaderboard. Anyone you look at and say, this guy's got some game. I I really like this player. And I think he's going to be up there in a lot of events moving forward.
0: So Sahith Tagala, I have been watching him the last year, two years. And he's someone I'm like, he, he has a great game, but after watching him this week, I'm like, he has such a good attitude. Like his post Sunday press conference was so poised and he was just so happy. And I'm like, I mean, yeah, you should be happy. You just made like 700 grand, but like, he just, he, he just seemed really happy. Like after he made that really terrible decision to hit was it, it was like a seven iron on whatever, the back nine, that one where everyone kept dumping it in the water all week, um, short right. And his caddy was like, no, don't hit that. And he was like, no, no, I'm, I'm going to hit a seven iron. And he went in the water. And it's just like, he. I think he learned from that moment. Like, I think that was an important moment for him since that probably cost him the tournament. And mm-hmm. I, I think that he's someone that we're going to see a lot of in the future. I, like I said, I just, I love his attitude. I think he's... A really he just seems like a really good person and I think it'll it'll be interesting to see him now because I believe he's in his rookie year so yeah see where he goes with it
1: yeah I'm completely with you on that one I remember interviewing Figala when he was still playing at Pepperdine he'd gotten an exemption into uh the Genesis at, at Riviera and speaking with him at Riviera I was just kind of blown away by the maturity level and that's mm-hmm. that's one thing that I think has changed so much over the last 10 or 15 years yeah. Amanda and I've I've been doing this a long time now and it used to be you know, players would get out of college and, you know, they, whether they were playing the PGA tour already, or they were trying to get onto the PGA tour, they were getting exemptions into events. You'd speak with them and you're like, yeah, still kind of seems like a college kid, you know, still mm-hmm. has to mature a little bit. These guys coming out now, I mean, they're not all going to be Colin Morikawa, who's I think the sort of the gold standard for this, but, uh, but these guys now are 22, 23, 24 years old and they've essentially been playing professional golf for 15 years Yeah, we're getting paid for it before they turn pro, but uh, they're traveling the world. They're playing big time tournaments that they know each other. They're competing against the best of the best. And, and so Figal is a guy that sort of jumped out to me as a player that um, is going to have that right mindset, that right maturity level moving forward. The other guy that uh, didn't necessarily contend as as much as some of the others, but finishing in T17 uh, Taylor Moore is a guy that played really well in the corn ferry this past year. He had a couple of extra years on the corn ferry tour. uh, Didn't quite make that leap as quickly as some other guys. I was waiting for just Mm -hmm. give me one good one because I think he's got the game. Uh, I don't know him at at all. I couldn't pick him out of a lineup. Quite frankly, I've watched him from afar, but he's uh, tiny. Yeah. Uh, But I I like him at events where maybe distance isn't necessarily like a a big deal. So I, I think this week, as we move into talking a little bit about Vegas, where, you know, have to have. Uh, 350 yard drives all over the place. That uh, maybe he's the type of player that uh, can gain a little confidence off of last week and uh, and playing well at that one.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. He he had a nice college career at Arkansas. I think he was around the same time Nicholas Shavaria was there, and I think they got some trouble together. But um, (laughs) I mean they're good players, both of them. I think Nicholas might be out on the Corn Ferry or. Something. And if you want to go down a rabbit hole, guys, go look up his brother, Andres says He played at Florida around the time Camilo and Manuel were there. And that's someone who I thought when I was a kid, I thought he was going to go on to do really good, like incredible things in golf. And it's kind of like, Oh
1: yeah. There's so many players. I mean, you go back over the years and look at guys who, oh, can't miss prospect. I mean, we see him in other yeah. sports and in other sports, you understand them being, you know, a first round draft pick or, mm-hmm. uh, signed a big signing bonus out of high school or out of college. And and you say, okay, that guy's going to be the next big thing. And it never pans out. And so I think that they're kind of labeled a quote unquote bust in other sports more so than in golf. But you look back over the years in golf and uh, you know, those who are into it enough and are paying attention to the junior and amateur and collegiate levels.
0: I'm trying to think who else are we? There's, there's got, Oh, Mateo Montesero. God, I could, I could spend hours talking about Mateo Montesero.
1: We did, when I was at Golf Channel, this was my idea, actually. Uh, This is probably 2012, I believe. It was right around the time of the NFL draft. I said, hey, let's do a golf draft. Mm -hmm. It was a great idea. It actually worked really well. We got like 30 people or 32 people that were in the bill on air and producers and writers. And uh, basically, we did like a, picked out of a hat and gave everyone a draft pick. And so we did a draft and you made a pick and you gave your reason for making that pick and so it was it was sort of this nebulous like hey who are you picking moving forward there wasn't like a who's gonna win the most money or who's gonna win the most majors you could go with a a male player or a female player and whatever it might be so I had I, I want to say like the 17th pick of the draft somewhere in the <laughs> middle of the the first round the first and only round ever <laughs> draft. And so uh, at the time I went with Mateo Manasero. I'm like, oh. man, this guy's got a great short game. This guy's mm-hmm. played well in some big events already. He's going to be, you know, this next yeah. big thing on the European Ryder cup team. And boy, that was a bust of a draft pick.
0: You ball. know what? The thing about Mateo was, I think he turned pro in 2010 or 2011. Mm-hmm. And the thing was right when he turned pro, that was when this huge like distance boom came out where everyone yeah, just started hitting it. the ball like over 300 where people aren't averaging, you know, 270 anymore. It's 290. And like, he never hit the ball longer than 260. He was a short player. I think he only hit a seven iron, maybe 170. Like he's just not a long player, but he was just so talented. And I would love to have seen him play 15, 20 years before his time. Like if he, instead of being born in 93, if he was born in like 73, it would have been amazing. Cause I feel like he would have had a really long career with Persimmons and just the distance hurt him and he just was so talented
1: let's get into the uh the odds for this week so uh, by the way it's the Shriners Children's Open yeah. I have uh I officially woke up Monday and screwed it all up because I had no <laughs> idea no one told me that uh they changed anything it used to be the Shriners Children's Shriners Hospitals for Children's Open which was a mouthful that I can't even get out now <laughs> as I'm trying to correct myself from it but uh, it has been changed to the Shriners Children's Open, which is much easier to say. And now that I know it's true, I will go with that from <laughs> now on. So Brooks Kepka is your favorite as of Monday afternoon while we're taping this podcast. He is 16 to 1, followed by Louis Oosthuizen and Webb Simpson and Abraham Anser, all of whom, uh, at least the the final two, Webb and Answer have played well at this event in the past. They're 18 to 1. Victor Hovland at 20 to 1. Scotty Scheffler, Will Zalatoris, 22 to 1. Harris English, Sam Burns, Kevin Na, Paul Casey, 25, Hideki, Sunjay, 28, Connors, Tringali, 35. I'll round out the top tier at 40 to 1, Matthew Wolf. and then Joaquin Neiman and Patrick Reed. Interesting. Okay. Um, all right. Well, where, where are you starting your card from this top tier this week?
0: So I'm going to go back into the memory bank of my childhood in golfdom. I want to say the year was 2009. Yeah, childhood,
1: way back when. Yes. I remember it.
0: <laughs> I was like 14 or 15. So in 2009, yeah, I want to say Cameron Tringali was a rookie. Around the time Ricky was a rookie. And I think I lived together in Vegas. And he's, you know, been great first round leader bet for me. Like I kind of need him to start playing bad on Thursday. So I start picking someone else. But Cameron Tringali, I really like. Paul Casey, the number on Paul Casey actually kind of surprises me 25 to one. It's kind of like Paul Casey's like a big guy in this field this week. So the 25 to one is like a weird number, but I would take it for him because you're getting some good value.
1: I'm going to battle you on that Cameron Tringali play. Not that he can't go out there and win, but I love it. the win That's equity. He's I, he's never won before. I, that I, is true. I don't like playing guys who haven't won before. Give me something.
0: Be yeah. Abraham
1: answer and give me that one win and say, okay, now I can do it. I've won one and now you can bet me at a shorter number
0: yeah
1: to look at it and say, who's got a better chance of winning this week, Patrick Reed or Cameron Tringali. You go, well, Reed's won a major. He's played really well in, in big events. He's got even yeah. to close down the stretch. I It's not that Patrick Reed's my favorite play on the board, but yeah. I just think there's a lot more win equity if you're betting an outright at 40 to one for Reed than, 35 to one to, for Tringali, but uh, my favorite play on the board, as far as outrights is a guy who's a, a little bit shorter. I, I kind of thought this would be the number coming in, but uh, it's not scaring me away too much. 22 to one, Scotty Scheffler. I think cool. that he is uh, gained a whole lot of confidence based on the fact that he went two zero and one in the Ryder cup a few weeks ago, helped the U S team to victory beat John Rahm in Sunday singles again, after beating him at the WGC match play earlier this year. And so, I think big things are coming and based on what we know in Vegas, we talked about last week at the Sanderson farms that six of the last seven winners had been first time winners all Mm -hmm. uh, before Sergio Garcia last year. And so you say, Oh, a lot of first time winners. Okay. Maybe it'll happen. It Didn't happen with Sam Burns. But what we found at Vegas over the years is that not only have there been first time winners, but they're big time first time Mm -hmm. winners. So among the guys who have won their first career, PGA tour title in Vegas, Tiger Woods, Jim Furyk, Kevin Na, Patrick Cantley. I mean, this is sort of a place where a lot of these young guys kind of get things kicked off. And, you know, we talked about earlier Colin Morikawa at the Barracuda a couple of years ago and kind of taking that step. I I think this could be a very big step for Scotty Scheffler this week. Mm -hmm. I like him at 22 to one, a couple other names from this, uh, from this top tier Abraham answer uh, fourth place, Uh, In two of the last three years here in Vegas. So I like him and uh, Deki Matsuyama, who Mm -hmm. tends to play his best golf. Unfortunately, unluckily for him, I, maybe there's, uh, maybe it's like, Hey, the pressure's off and you can just go and do your thing. But he has played 27 events in, I believe September through December since 2016, that includes 11 top fives and 20, top 25s 20 top 25s oh, 27 starts in the last <laughs> what 5 6 years uh late in the year so he likes this time of year for whatever reason i don't know if it's biorhythms i don't know if it's just hey you know the pressure's off i don't know if hey maybe maybe everyone else is playing at like a 90% like hey don't don't gear up too much for this time of year and Hideki's like i'm just going to step on the gas pedal and try to get some wins out there but whatever the case is he tends to play really good golf this time of year
0: yeah, I think that kind of West Coast swing into the East Asia tournaments with two, three tournaments over there. I mm-hmm. think those kind of just bode well together, especially for the guys that are from over there. And like, what was it? Hideki went back and did the quarantine for two weeks and then like had like a day with his green jacket and then had to come back or something. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure he's, you know, would be happy to do that again.
1: Mid-tier, Mido Pereira uh, is a guy that I really like, 50 to 1, like him every single week. Just keep jumping that Mito train at basically every week he's playing now. Aaron Wise, I like. I believe he's living out in Vegas now. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, big edge on Vegas, guys, this That's week. More it. so than like, hey, it's the Honda Classic, and guys who live in Jupiter, well, they're sleeping in their own bed. They can drive their own car over. Okay, but it's really not a major advantage. The other guys are staying at the resort, and they just and walk all, over to the first 60% team.
0: 60% of the tour, so it's like. Yeah,
1: it's not really a big deal. Vegas, though, it's like. Well, half the guys are going out there, and like, eh, I'm not saying they're going to get nuts, but okay, let's go see the strip and let's go, you know, check out the fountain at Bellagio. Let's go do this, go out to a nice dinner. Okay. So it's taking your time away from the game just a little bit. Sometimes that's a good thing. But yeah. guys who have Vegas ties, I always like a little bit more here. Uh, Aaron Wise, Charlie Hoffman, that applies to as well. He's since moved out of Vegas, but lived there for about 20 years after college when. He went to UNLV. Uh, Mark Leishman
0: mates with Adam Scott, who's awesome. Yeah,
1: Adam Scott's at fifty-five to one. Mark Leishman at sixty to one. I think is uh, is a nice number for Leishman, mm-hmm. who was fourth at the Fortinet uh, just a few weeks ago. Maverick McNeely like him a lot this week. Uh, basically, anytime there's a course, especially a West Coast course, that you don't need to overpower, where you can be, you know, a, a shorter hitter, and be really good around and on the greens. I think it's made for Maverick McNeely. So I like him a lot, moving down this list just a little bit. Um, boy, that's, it's probably about it. Taylor Moore at 100-1, to 1, probably not betting him outright, but I think for some other things, same thing with Figala. Uh, and then I'll get into some of our, our lower-tier plays in a minute. But, yeah, that's, a, that's about where I'm going with my mid-tier plays. Uh, Kevin Strelman doesn't have a great record here, but I don't mind him for a first-round leader bet. I think he's a guy that can get hot. Uh, with the putter in in a hurry and and make birdies in bunches so I can see him throwing a 62 63 out there on a Thursday
0: yeah I like Pat Perez that's a guy that I think just mm. likes Vegas in general and I, I like him this week and I also like Henrik Norlander I don't know if I'm jumping too far ahead but I like Henrik Norlander too I think he had a nice showing last week
1: he did yeah at one point on Sunday he was tied for the lead <laughs> all right let's get to some of these lower tier plays uh Scott Piercy is a guy that I always target when it's desert golf again, another Vegas guy. So I'm kind of repeating myself here, but uh, tends to play really well. He's got nine top 25 finishes and 12 career starts at this one. He's 130 to one. Look, he wins every three years. He won in 2012, won in 2015, won in 2018, 2021 is coming to a close very soon. So <laughs> I'm just saying if you're into patterns and things like that, he could be, a nice play this week. Moving on a little bit further down the list, uh, not too many guys I'm chasing with big triple digit numbers. Trey Mullinax mm. has played very well uh, at the end of the Corn Ferry yeah. season. And so far in limited PGA Tour play, he's 150 to one. Nick Watney, uh, I'm guessing his number probably got cut in half by the fact that he was co runner up this past week at the Sanderson Farms, but he is 150 to one. Another guy that's got some Vegas ties and Again, Vegas ties. I'll throw Joseph Bramlett on there as well. He's one fifty to one. That's probably as deep as I'm going this week, Amanda. You know what? Uh, My guy Brendan Steele at one eighty to one. Brendan Steele, Brendan Steele, Steele. I just want to be able to hit the ball higher, a little bit farther. Steele with a rip off the twelfth. Hard to beat. Wow, that was just jammed in. The man of steel. How good was that? Wow. Uh, If there's one stat that I always really like to look at among the dozens of other ones that I'm looking at on a weekly basis, final round ball striking numbers the previous week for those who are going Mm back-to-back. Brendan Steele led the field at the Sanderson Farms on Sunday in both strokes gained tee to green and strokes gained on approach shots, which are, of course, correlated, but just blew everybody away in both of those categories. Spoke with them. Uh, Let's just say I think the game is – dialed in right now he is traditionally undervalued whenever he plays in the marketplaces at 180 to 1 16 to 1 for a top 10
0: yeah still is a much
1: better player than he gets credit for i mean he's got look uh same odds as a chad ramey or a hayden buckley who played really well last week a uh nate lashley i i just his odds should probably be closer to 100 to 125 to one if yeah, not I mean, even look lower at JT, than JT that. Poston. So I, I like
0: He's also down there around 200 to 1. Like, no respect at all.
1: Yeah. Well, I have no respect for Poston after I picked him to win last week. <laughs>
0: <could work> <laughs> okay, of and course, him, I, you know what?
1: It, it just happens, man. On, on the weeks where we say, okay, it's fall part of the schedule, so let's look at the guys with big numbers next to their names because yeah. anybody can win this thing. All right, I'm taking JT Poston outright 125 yeah. to 1. Tournament favorite wins it.
0: I know. This week,
1: I like somebody who's close to the top. He's gonna be my favorite outright play. Doesn't mean Grayson Siegwald. It's gonna, yeah. It's so and so that you've never heard of is seven thousand to one. And he wins. It yeah.
0: <laughs> Kyle Westmoreland. That's three last names and one <laughs> to get some value.
1: <laughs> Kelly Craft, Martin Trainer, Curtis Thompson. Huh, actually,
0: Curtis Thompson. Maybe. Man, actually, yeah. it's, I keep Maybe. forgetting this yeah. card now.
1: There's some of the names that we like. All right. You ready to make a DFS lineup?
0: It's ready. Want to be a DFS millionaire? You're just one lineup away.
1: We're going to go nose to nose with him. And you're going to play better than you ever dreamed of. Because, God damn it, that's what I demand of you.
0: So let's get drafting.
1: All right, let's get to it. We uh, we do this, of course, every week on The Gimme with our friend Justin Ray. Now it's just going to be me and Amanda, so it could be a much worse team without Justin's input. So, <laughs> all right. You get, you get the first pick on The Gimme all the time, so I'll give you the first one here as well.
0: Oh, you should take the first one or do
1: you oh whoa you whoa! on the, well, the gimme you're like gimme 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 it's all mine i'm taking No, you got it. Time, that's just but...
0: how the graphics are on the show you don't you can't oh, mess with lord evan oh is that why? graphics yeah oh, mm-hmm. it's because of the graphics it's respect okay <laughs>
1: okay well if you're going giving me the first pick i'll spend some money and i'll take my favorite play this week uh scotty sheffler 9700 mm-hmm. i actually think he's he's undervalued on dfs on DraftKings. he is the five, six seven eighth Most expensive player. Whereas in the marketplace, I believe he is. Oh, I can do this real quick. If I look at things and scroll around, he is a one, two, three, four, five. He is tied for sixth in the marketplace. So I I do think there's a little bit value uh, in DFS as opposed to in the betting space. So I'm going with Scheffler. I, I just don't think he plays badly this week at all.
0: I like that I'm uh I'm gonna go not too much cheaper than you but a little bit cheaper than you I'm gonna go with Charlie Hoffman a guy that went to UNLV I think he is a good player for this course I like his statistics here I think he has a good chance this week um I don't know he didn't really do much last week so he's probably not gonna be too high owned this week uh
1: yeah I like Hoffman a lot this week I'm gonna go with another Vegas based player even though Hoffman's moved away this guy still lives there and Uh, knows Summerlin really well, won this golf tournament two years ago and wouldn't be surprised if he does it again. Kevin at 9,100. We'll, we'll get to some cheaper plays. uh, I promise we'll (laughs) have to, but um, I I don't mind loading up on some good players up near the top. And I think Kevin Na's got a really good chance of going out there and, uh, and playing really well. Again, I've said it now eight times during this, uh, this episode, but just being a, being a Vegas guy and not going, you know, let's, let's do dinner at this place and Oh, let's, you know what? I want to hit the sports book over at this place. I heard it's really cool. Oh, I want to, I want to check out, you know, maybe play some blackjack over here. It's not, it's not necessarily going nuts, but it's just like, Hey, there's a lot to do. It's Vegas. I don't blame you. You know, if I went on a work trip to Vegas, I'd be doing all that stuff too, but being able to just, Hey, I'm at home. It's Vegas. No big deal. Who cares? Yeah. I'm away from the strip. So Kevin, not 9,100. I, I think is a good play. We still got some money to spend.
0: Yeah. I'm actually going to go down. Um, the board a little bit. I think I'm gonna, I might save another one for my last pick. I'm going to go with Ian Poulter right now. Uh, he's 16th in strokes gain total coming into this event. Second in strokes gain short game and first in short or strokes gain putting. I don't really think that uh, this week ball striking for him is going to be as big of a deal. I mean, his strokes gain ball striking is like 96th or 97th right now. So I like his putting statistics. I like his short game here. And I think, you know, making his first start since the Ryder cup, I think he's definitely going to have a fire in his belly and he played pretty well during the Ryder cup. Well, actually that's a lie. He didn't, Um, <laughs> but he won his singles match and that's literally all that matters to him.
1: <laughs> uh He did. Well, no, more of it matters. Trust me, but he at least won his singles match. That that's the true.
0: most that matters to him at the end of the day. <laughs> Maybe
1: I And by the way, I, I believe I went nine, two and one trying to pick singles matches on did Sunday. Did you? But my best bet for the day was Tony Finau, who had looked awesome for two days, uh-huh. over Ian Poulter, who had looked terrible. And somehow Poulter goes out and just like whoops up on Tony Finau. I never, ever saw that one come. I would have seen Scheffler over Rahm or, uh, or Westwood over English, a few of those other plays before I saw that one. But Poulter <laughs> beat Finau. So maybe, hey, maybe uses that as a jumping point to, uh, for, to get some big stuff this week. All right. Uh, we've got sixteen one left to spend. Two picks. I'm going with the guy that I mentioned already. Uh, really good short game. Anytime the course isn't uh, isn't so long that you've got to overpower it. Math McNeely is a guy that uh, I think should play well. He's finished top thirty in eight of his last nine starts, including runner up at the Fortinet a couple of weeks ago. Primed for a really good week. Seventy seven hundred is a nice price for him.
0: I do like that. Um, let's see 8, how 8, much do we we've 8,
1: like- left. Eighty four hundred left.
0: There's a lot. Well, you know who is exactly 8,400? It's Adam Scott, but we're not going to go with Adam Scott. Oh, I am going to go back uh, to the my what was going to be my second pick, and that was Stuart Sink. Now, we're having we're leaving a lot of money on the table, I know, but. Stuart Sink had a great fall season last year. He had a great summer this year. He's coming into this. I think he's fresh. I think he's ready to go. I love his game right now. He's you know top fifty and literally every statistic across the board. His worst statistic is around the green, but his like but everything else is good. So I I just I like Stuart Sink this week. So we're gonna leave like a 1, thousand something thirteen hundred. 1, thirteen
1: hundred. I I love this Amanda because we're leaving thirteen hundred on the board we'll be able to know exactly who listens to our podcast based on how many times and who duplicates this lineup in the big contest, because you didn't just come up with this on your own. You took our picks, you tell them, (laughs) look, you're allowed to and and we encourage it because you're going to win lots of money doing it. But
0: um, when they finish on the board,
1: Yeah, leaving 1300 on the board is uh, is something that I don't think a lot of people are doing this week. And I, I love no, the it's idea. Crazy, so we've got but... Sink, Hoffman, McNeely, Na, Poulter, Scheffler. Some good plays here. Can't wait for the two week Sin City swing. I'm telling you, if the bosses are listening right now, which I, I can't imagine they're not, we can go to Vegas this week. I, I'm available. If you need me for two weeks in Vegas, we'll get on a plane immediately.
0: They sent me last year. I, I think they know better. <laughs>
1: Amanda, thanks for filling in for Justin this week. I appreciate it. Uh, We will be back on The Gimme Wednesday evening, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Can't wait for that. Check your local social channels. And also, good luck with all of your plays for this week's Shriners Children's Open. I'm still getting it wrong, but I'm still going to be working at that title. Uh, And also, subscribe, download, rate us wherever you get your podcast. Links and locks. Thanks so much to Amanda Rose. I'm Jason Sobel. Good luck with all your bets this week. Here's hoping you hit the green.